0: Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Happy Pentecost. Um, I don't know, it is now. When I say it, I don't know. I thought about that, I wrote it down. I'm like, say Happy Pentecost. Don't know if that's a thing, but it is. Uh, I just want to say, I think I know most of you here, but if you haven't seen me, you don't know who I am. My name is Dallas. Uh, I interned here at Awaken last year for six months, so I hung around a lot then. Uh, So if you haven't seen my face before, I'm not just a complete stranger who's standing up here right now, but it's good to be back here with you. And uh, I'm honored to be able to to speak on this uh, very special Sunday with you all. So thank you for having me back again. Um, Pentecost is truly a very special Sunday in the church calendar uh, because it marks the arrival of the Holy Spirit in acts two, where we'll go in a moment here. The Holy Spirit comes on the people and it signifies really the beginning of what we now call the church. So without the arrival of the Spirit, we don't get to do what we do here at church. And it also challenges us to see how we can continue to be the church. Where is the Spirit calling us? Pentecost is the aftermath of Jesus' resurrection and the new life that he gives us. It introduces the radical new way of being in this world where all people can experience the moving of the Spirit. It is the arrival of wind and fire both of which you learned about in the previous series on the elements. And like many stories in the Bible, our familiarity with them can turn Pentecost into a monotonous tale that fails to shock us. And in that place, we risk missing the point or the purpose of the Holy Spirit's arrival and what we ought to learn from it. As we'll get to in a few moments, Pentecost begs the question of us, what does this mean? What are we to do? As I mentioned, the story of Pentecost is found right at the beginning of Acts in chapter 2, and it kind of serves as like the epicenter of the narrative in Acts, as the themes and the stories and everything that comes after that is only possible really because of the Spirit's arrival and God's action that's seen here in the beginning of Acts. I won't read the whole thing because it's kind of long. It's like the whole chapter, but we'll read a portion, uh, specifically the first 13 verses. Um, It should be on the screen. Perfect. Thank you. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But yet others sneered and they said, they are filled with new wine. After Jesus was resurrected, He had appeared to the disciples and told them that he would send them an advocate, the Holy Spirit who would help them. They had been baptized by water, but Jesus promised to baptize them with the Holy Spirit in the days to come. They wondered and questioned among themselves what this might mean. Jesus said they would receive power when this happened, and they would be witnesses throughout the world. They were left waiting, but for what? left in bewilderment and a sense of lostness, what would happen next? How might they go on? Would there be place for them? As much as they imagined and they dreamed about what might happen, they definitely did not expect this. Who would have? And in their anticipation, God acts. He breathes out his spirit on them. The same God that breathed life into humanity and hovered over the chaotic waters now breathes again and reignites the people into radical joining and radical belonging. Luke, the author of Acts, uses language and experiences from Moses' day, the divine made known and visible through wind and fire. This is the work of God. This is God empowering the people and inviting them to partake in his desire for people this isn't adjoining that they could do by themselves by their own efforts but by God alone so Willie Jennings who I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about Willie Jennings like seven times in this sermon cuz he's just incredible and if you haven't read his commentary on the book of Acts which is kind of a niche thing I guess just do it like I know I was thinking of you Kara. um No, but you really should read it. At least just read like the part on chapter two. It's amazing if I don't cover it. So, um, but Willie Jennings says that Pentecost marks the miracles of both hearing and speaking as the story recounts all the people who were able, all the people were able, I should say, to speak in their own mother tongue and be understood by it. Jennings points out that to speak a language is to speak a people. Language is an incredibly interesting and complicated thing. If you've ever tried to learn another language, you know what I'm talking about. One of my minors for my degree at Ambrose was biblical languages, so I took Greek and Hebrew. I can tell you from that firsthand experience that language is incredibly difficult. There's no wonder that some of our English translations of the Bible fail us. There are verbs and concepts that just do not translate well into our very different language of English. It also doesn't help that the languages of Hebrew and Koine Greek are also dead. So, we definitely don't know exactly how we're supposed to read it. But regardless, it's not perfect. And we do our best to understand. But some translations um, are definitely closer than others. But it's nonetheless difficult. And yet, learning a language is still more than just grammar. It's also voice. It's learning words um, and how they relate to events. It's songs. It's sayings. It's jokes. Everyday practices. Habits of mind and body. For those of you who do know me and you know uh, my wife, Tatiana, her and her whole family are from Argentina. So their first language is is Spanish. And while they've all learned English and they make space for me, and they can switch back and forth with ease, there is still something special about speaking in Spanish for each of them. I can't tell you the number of times we're at family gatherings, and they all laugh at something said in Spanish, and I just sit there and smile and I'm like, what happened? I don't know and sometimes i get an answer and it is funny but other times i get the response that it's like it just doesn't translate well into english and sometimes tat is gracious enough and she explains to me what was said anyways but she's right sometimes it doesn't make any sense at all in english why because to speak a language is to speak a people there are things that can only be truly understood in our mother tongue it also happened when tat and i went to mexico and everyone spoke in Spanish to her, and they gave me this subtle, inquisitive look, like, does this guy know what I'm talking about? No, sir, I do not. <laughs> but thank you for giving me a little bit of, benefit of the doubt. But you should see the look of joy on Tat's face if I say something in Spanish to her. Even if it doesn't like really make sense, the fact that I've tried to like piece words together, it means something. I've also been reading through the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer, which probably some of you have read, not quite as weird as a Bible commentary, i have already learned so much in this book. You should read it if you haven't. And uh, Kimmerer discusses the language of ecology of plants and trees and all these amazing things, but also of the Potawatomi people. And in one chapter, she explains that the language of the Potawatomi peoples is 70% verbs, which a statistic by itself doesn't sound like anything, but you compare this to English, it's only 30% verbs. So just a little bit different. We speak a language that's built on nouns, on things. This means that there are seemingly endless conjugations and verb paradigms to memorize and to master in the Potawatomi, Potawatomi language. In addition to this, they also do not divide words into masculine and feminine like much of our dominant languages do. Rather, they divide things into categories of animate and inanimate. All living things are the same and all non-living things, mostly things created by people, are the same. You and I would be spoken of the same in the same way as we would speak of rivers or rocks or trees. That is an entirely different way of understanding ourselves and the world around us. Language is incredibly important to who we are and how we understand quite literally everything. So imagine being the only person to speak your language imagine if no one else understood you in your mother tongue imagine that language being stripped from you think of the many indigenous people who have lost their language because european colonizers thought it was inferior and sought to obliterate it entirely sadly they were somewhat successful yet there are still others who have kept their their indigenous language alive and are teaching the younger generations so that it lives on. Kimmerer said that her tribe's mother tongue only has nine living fluent speakers in the entire world. Nine. An entire language, a people, a way of being in the world on the brink of extinction and all the beauty, the meaning and the understanding that comes with it. The move of the spirit at Pentecost empowers all people to speak and be heard in their mother tongue. Nobody's lost in translation. Nobody's language or way of being in the world is lost and everyone belongs. You don't need to conform to one specific language or one way of being, but you can belong just as you are and you're celebrated for it. I went for a walk with a friend this week and. As we were walking around downtown, he was telling me how he he looks around at people and he just sees how wounded they are and how much help they need. He expressed he didn't know how to see anything beyond that. I think our responsibility is to see the hurt and make space for it, but also to see and remind people that they are loved, that they are good just as they are. They belong and there is space for them. Come in, take up space for yourself and just be tell me who you are how do you understand the world what do you love nikaela gave the example a couple weeks ago maybe ask someone what their pronouns are i was reading some documents from another church denomination in canada that was explaining their journey to becoming affirming it took place over several years and the information was long and it was intense but a few things stood out to me while i was reading first They emphasize their openness to the spirit, a willingness to be surprised by the spirit. If we lose that willingness or perhaps eagerness to be surprised by what God is doing, we're off track. Secondly, they paid attention to all the radical ways in which the church has had to, or at least should have discerned where God is asking us to change our perspectives. Throughout history, we've been challenged to face new realities and become more inclusive. And sometimes that has worked, and sadly, other times it has not. But the document said that what is at stake is our capacity to be the church in fulfilling our ongoing vocation of discerning the kairos, the time of God, for our time. In other words, the primary issue is whether we can be the church. Pentecost is a miracle of hearing and speaking. Listen to one another and share yourself with one another. We have to be open to the radical ways in which the Holy Spirit is moving and acting. We're invited into that space, into the risk, and each of us is acknowledged just as we are within it. I do think Awaken is particularly good at making space for people, as many of you can attest but who else needs a place to belong? How can we continue to be that for more and more people? Willie Jennings, again, says that the meaning of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit has come and joining has begun. God is acting to bring people together from all over the place. Boundaries are disrupted and belonging is made possible for everyone. It is, as he says, devotion to people's unknown and undesired. As I mentioned earlier, Pentecost serves as like the epicenter of the narrative in Acts. All that follows flows from the empowerment of the Spirit here at the beginning of the book. So in Acts 8, when we read of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, Jewish readers would have immediately recognized the controversy of Philip entering into the chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch and talking about Jesus with him. This is exactly what the Spirit tells him to do cross boundaries, break barriers, and proclaim the good news. The Ethiopian eunuch belongs just as much as Philip does. Peter, in Acts 10, experiences the same radical call of the Spirit upon a rooftop as he's praying. And in his hunger, God lays down a sheet with, uh, with food that is ceremonially unclean. And in his piety, Peter declines the offer. He will not abandon the commandments now. Yet God insists, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. God has spoken, and his desire for people is at the forefront. Peter's experience doesn't end here, as he's invited to Cornelius' house, a Roman centurion who had a vision telling him to invite Peter over to his house. He sends his men to fetch Peter, who agrees to go with them, But when he gets there, Cornelius has gathered his household and friends to eat with Peter. They all understand that this was strictly forbidden for a Jewish person to commune with Gentiles. Still, the Spirit is at work and there's no stopping him. Peter shares with them the good news of Jesus and Luke tells us that while he is speaking, the Holy Spirit comes on all who heard the word, even the Gentiles. Peter recognizes that this is God's doing, that this is God's will to bring all people together, radical joining, radical belonging. Jennings calls this the revolution of the intimate. Who is to say that those filled with the spirit cannot be baptized and be part of this family? What if you were just simply loved for who you truly are? What if you just belonged without having to sacrifice who you are? That's the message of Pentecost. You belong with each other in all of our differences, in all of our uniqueness. There are far too many stories of people not belonging because they don't fit within a certain framework or ideal. God places Peter in the midst of the world and says, join it. It's all about community. Peter is asked to enter in rather than to possess and control. And Jesus' words of, this is my body which is given for you, makes possible these words. Jennings says that God has brought Peter inside the risk of following the Spirit. The risk is in believing in new relationships. People we had not imagined God bringing across our paths. God's desire in us is for them. Here on Pentecost, love of neighbor takes on a new meeting. Emboldened by the Spirit, it is love that builds directly out of the resurrected body of Jesus. The Spirit creates a joining, a joining of voice, memory, sound, body, land, and place. To speak a language is to speak a people. And as Jennings notes, God speaks people fluently. Pentecost begs the question, where is the Holy Spirit taking us? and into whose lives. I love how Luke tells us that some of the people who watched what was happening at Pentecost thought that the people speaking in tongues were drunk. I think that's a pretty key thing for Luke to make note of. Why would they think that? And what does that mean? For one of my final credits in my degree, I did a capstone project with some intercultural ministry students, and we decided to write on diversity at Ambrose. We used passages like Acts 2 and Acts 10 to help guide us in our research and help frame the purpose of of our project. And one of the key questions that we kept asking ourselves and one question we insisted on including in our report to the Ambrose faculty was, what are we doing that makes others think we're crazy? What are we doing that's making some people look at us and think they're on new wine? Where is the spirit taking us and to whom? If we're not moving in that direction, we're getting something wrong. When I was a kid, I thought that the way of Christianity, the way of Jesus was the safe one. The one where nobody would question you or think you're nuts. You shouldn't stand out. You shouldn't ask questions. You probably shouldn't wonder because people much smarter and more prestigious than yourself have already worked that one out. And it took me a long time to realize how wrong and destructive that is. Pentecost teaches us that we should be questioned at least on some level. This is God's doing, not ours. We follow Jesus, not the other way around. Who are we to deny someone filled with the spirit? Who are we to deny the move of God? As anybody who spends enough time around awaken will experience, I've come to be a fan of poetry. Now, Amy already posted this on the Ace page today and I was a little upset when she did because I was like, no, I had this all planned. And then she goes and shares it and I'm like, you beat me to it. I can't be mad, it's a great poem. So thank you, Amy, if you're online, I'm not sure. But I'm gonna read it to you anyways because maybe I'll just assume you haven't been on the Ace page today. Um, But it's a a poem from Malcolm Guite about Pentecost. Uh, And I think it sums up what we're celebrating on this miraculous day. Um, So I want to read it for you before we move to uh, communion, um, the table, the place of belonging. Um, I think there is a slide for it, um, but let's read the poem. Today we feel the wind beneath our wings. Today the hidden fountain flows and plays. Today the church draws breath at last and sings as every flame becomes a tongue of praise. This is the feast of fire, air, and water, poured out and breathed and kindled into earth. The earth herself awakens to her maker and is translated out of death to birth. The right words come today in their right order, and every word spells freedom and release. Today the gospel crosses every border, all tongues are loosened by the Prince of Peace. Today the lost are found in his translation, whose mother tongue is love in every nation. In Pentecost, the Holy Spirit acts and says to us all, you belong and you are loved. God draws us together in radical ways and ties us intimately together. Like massed fruiting trees, which only produce fruit altogether or not at all, what happens to one of us happens to us all. Either we all flourish or none of us flourish. It's the power of unity. It's the power of the Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your Spirit who has come upon us and empowered us to be people of love and belonging. Spirit, we pray that you open our eyes to the surprises that you have for us, and lead us ever deeper into the embrace of the other. Continue uh, to make space for all people to belong, that we may continue to be the church. May we be encouraged to see each other here and know that we belong in all of our differences. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm also doing communion, Uh, and so, as usual, we end our time here at the table. Uh, Christ's table is big, and it makes space for all people. Whoever you are, I think we said this in the welcome, whoever you are, wherever you are, you are welcome and you belong. What I love about how we do communion here at Awaken is that in our participation, we actively look at one another and say, here, Christ's body and blood is for you just as much as me. We recognize each other and we say, you are loved, you belong, I belong. And so it says in 1 Corinthians that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, Jesus, thank you for this table. Thank you for your body and your blood that unites us all, that brings us all together, a place where we all belong, where we're all welcome um, in our diversity, in our uniqueness. We we are loved here. Um, So thank you for, for this place. Thank you for Pentecost, for your Holy Spirit. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.